Guten Morgen slash Abend, you fine folks of the internet. I'm Josh Ellis, and you're listening to the Advice for Blokes podcast, available on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. But you already knew that because you're listening now. Today we've been very fortunate to have two-time author and Australia's storytelling expert, Nick Bowditch, in this slightly uncomfortable studio chair. His life story is an interesting one, involving drug addiction, marital breakdown, and a tortured youth. All of those scars have amalgamated to form the inspirational, educated, and articulate gentleman he has become today. Please do check out his books on Amazon, the first of which is Reboot Your Thinking, 28 Days to Think Different, Be Better. Then followed up with another successful publication entitled, Actually It Is All About Me, How Being Selfish Can Actually Be Selfless. He can be found on all of the social media endpoints at Nick Bowditch or on nickbowditch.com.au. Check out his TEDx talk on YouTube as well for a visual aid and penetrate your eyes with his handsome looks and blonde hair. Advice for Blokes has the social medias as well. Find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Advice for Blokes. We really do appreciate a thumbs up, a witty comment or a backhanded compliment penned by your Nintendo thumbs on your smart device. Don't be afraid to call the hotline and leave us some love on 029541 30 to 60 seconds of vocal encouragement would definitely mean the world. If these audio portions really do blow your skirt up, I encourage you to leave a review on iTunes on Facebook. May the remainder of your day be as blessed as Buddha. Be good to one another out there and enjoy the show! Nick Bowditch has taken a seat here in the studio. Nick, thank you very much for coming in. Oh, you're very welcome, mate. There's Thanks a, for inviting me. It's a genuine pleasure. We uh, managed to do this on about two days' notice. I imagine that... <laughs> Story of my life, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we were just having a quick chat off off of the airwaves there that uh, you've got a, um, a fight coming up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday next week. Yeah, so. I do. Well, somewhere in there. Hopefully somewhere one. There. Just the one fight. Hopefully. You're saying so. It'll just be, just do the one... <laughs> Your whole premise was get your gold medal, go out a victor, <laughs> disappear into the disappear sunset. right off on your uh, stallion, your, your your steed into the sunset. Oh, well, can, hopefully that all goes well. How's yeah, the but, how's the training regime been? It's been hectic the last. Um, so I've kind of always trained pretty solidly, but the last two months I've I've had a crack. Like I wanna I wanna go into it and not have any excuses. Right. You know, so, you, so you don't want to be able to, you don't want to have that excuse book sitting there ready to go. Well, that, that is my modus operandi, actually, okay. normally. So this time, if I lose this time, I, I, I can't, like, I literally can't say, oh, well, fuck, I didn't, I wasn't really having a go or yeah. oh, I should have trained harder or like right. I've done everything that I can do. So you want to, the only thing, I guess, so you've done everything that you can possibly do is you can't control your opponent. Nope, and I don't even know who that person is, what they look like, what their reach is. I won't know. Or whether they're going to make it even. Sure. And I won't know that until we both step in. So what age did you uh, did you start the boxing? About three years ago. Really? Yeah. Man, right, you just said that you're 48. I yeah. mean, you definitely do not look that. Thank you, man. You'll do well. <laughs> uh, yeah, as about a 45-year-old, I used to carry um, a lot of weight, maybe. How tall are you? Six three, six three. Yeah, I used to carry about thirty five kilos more than I do now. Okay, wow. So I'm running about one ten now. Yep. 
and yeah, I was I was a fat fucker back then. Was this uh, lifestyle yeah. issues? Yeah. yeah, it was mental health issues. It was, yeah. you know, it was relationship issues. It was all sorts. Really, I mean, there's there's my book of excuses again, mate. But <laughs> but you know, it was yeah, it was just lack of focus, lack lack of um, self love, really, self worth. And yeah. so, getting onto the, I've got a few family members who have had various levels of um, mental illness mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Whether it comes from them being a shitty child and or poor parenting, which is generally goes hand in hand. Um, but they've found that getting involved in um, martial arts of some description, boxing, boxing in particular, has been the one that's really pulled them or driven them to go in the right direction. Yep. Did you go into that cognizant of of that? Not really. I I kind of th- I've kind of had this theory <laughs> that at any one time in a boxing gym, nine out of ten people in there will have some kind of trauma or baggage that they're carrying. Something you know, some some sort of mental health challenge. Um, but I think even thinking more deeply than that, I think you end up in boxing because of it. You don't have it because you do boxing you know like I think it's just a natural progression to go okay what can I do here that will motivate me physically while also being allowed allowing me to punch the shit out of something (laughs) you know and and exercise so so there's a there's a a double well it's like exercise and exorcise you know like you uh, I I think both of those things are true but uh, and it's, it's also wonderful. and it is the best therapy, man. Like it is. I, I love it. I've I trained sort of Muay Thai and um, MMA for sort of ten to twelve years, mm. and then a couple of years ago, I started getting a repeating rib injury. And if you've ever had a rib injury, Ooh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's, it's the, the worst. It, it's the paper cut of combat sports. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the, the, the worst part being though that it lasts. You know, it would be two to three months of solid pain. Everything's painful. Sleeping is painful. Breathing is painful. Having a, a thought is painful. <laughs> it's just such an uncomfortable place to be. Yeah. Uh, so you've do you you've you've got four kids? I do. How old are they? They are ten, nine, seven, and six. And what's the uh, gender split? So I have one daughter who's the patriarch, uh, the matriarch, so yeah. the eldest, and then we had the whole catastrophe after that. <laughs> right. So, um, we we had f- yeah four four of the kids in um, five years, wow. and uh, yep. yeah it was it was pretty busy, mm-hmm. uh, great fun, really yeah. you know as much as it was and is challenging it's 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 just a constant source of fun and funniness. Kids for me was the first time I realised that I actually loved myself more than everyone else around me. Mm. Once I saw that child, I was like, oh oh I get it now. <laughs> I I remember moments where I. Well, I haven't loved myself. So I live with you know, a mental illness that tells me I'm, I'm shit, shit. I'm yeah. nothing. Yeah. And then I look at her and and my boys too. <laughs> yeah. but, but I look at my daughter and think, oh, fuck, I did that. Mm. You know, like... Yeah, 30 seconds of your best work. That, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you're, very, you're being very kind there. <laughs> but, uh, but no, like I look at that and I think, well... She's she's me. Like I have contributed to that. Like I can make something really beautiful and mm. really meaningful. Um, and so, you know, I'm not I'm not a piece of shit. Like she doesn't no, think that. No, absolutely. And yeah. uh, and you know, like I even though we <laughs> we fight and we kind of clash, me and her, like um, at different times, she's just 
Yeah, she's just one of the four great loves of my life, mate. Yeah, right. And you're married? Uh, separated now, yeah. Separated? How long has that been? Um, about two years, almost two years now. That's that's a fucking challenging journey to... Oh, it sucks. Having just started down that path myself. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's... Well, I'd love to tell you it gets better immediately, but... Uh, <laughs> everyone everyone I've spoken to has said, mate, it's going to suck a bag of dicks for two Dude, years. The thing about it is, you know, you don't... Nobody goes into it thinking it's going to fall apart, right? Absolutely. But you know around you that they're all falling apart. You know, not all, but like a lot of relationships are falling apart and a lot do so before kids even arrive. Yeah. Um, you know, in that first year, I, I don't know what the stat is. It's it's horrendous, the first year. Um, and I think it's just, you know, like I thought I was ready. I thought I was ready to be married and to be a dad. I did it really late in life, you know. So you were nearly 40. Yeah, I was when we had our first baby, I was 38, turning 39. Is that right? 38, anyway, about like late. And so I thought, oh, fuck, I'm... Like, oh, and I should say, in the 38 years before that, <laughs> I was the expert on parenting. On parenting? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and yeah. uh, you know, I... Were I, you also one of those people who had a pet and you're like... This is my fur baby. No, no, okay. Because no. they're they're Thankfully, my, they're my second favorite type of non-parent. <laughs> Thankfully, I wasn't that person, but I was. But I have um, four brothers and two sisters, or, and they all have Good babies, right? Yeah. And I would, <laughs> much to my shame, now I would constantly tell them if I told them. Otherwise, I'd certainly be thinking it. Um, what they were doing wrong. Yep. As parents, and you what shouldn't be children, feeding them that. You know, you what, you, this is how your child is going to turn out. <laughs> uh, you know, it's going to be your fault. And <laughs> you know, and now I just think, uh, what Uncle, Uncle Nick, the child expert. Oh, man. And and I and I, I noticed when my children were little, and certainly when, when they were newborn, and they were always fucking newborn. There was always a newborn, you know. But when that happened, I noticed my older brothers and sisters. <laughs> Just occasionally kind of nodding to each other. <laughs> right. I'd be like, okay. Oh. As if to say, yeah. This That's your comeuppance? Is, yeah, yeah. This is what you get. <laughs> you thought you were fucking so clever. Uh, I'm looking forward to that situation with my uh, with my younger brothers. Well, I've got, got three younger brothers. Right. And um, yeah, similar sort of deal. <laughs> where uh, Actually, my brother Rocco, he was over here. Um, for, he lives in Amsterdam. He was over here around Christmas time. And... He and his girlfriend, Abby, were having a conversation around one of my kids, I think it was Adrian, and talking about what he should and shouldn't be eating. And I'm, I'm, at any time I get a chance to not parent, I'm like, I'll yeah. let someone else do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. luck, Uncle Rocco. So they're having a, a chingwa. They started having a debate. They have polar opposite views on nearly everything. Um, and him and his and missus? Him and his girlfriend, okay. yeah. So chit-chat, <laughs> chit-chat, blah, blah, blah. And then Rocco goes, Abby... Don't fucking tell me how to parent. <laughs> and I just was like, what world are you living in? <laughs> a, your proxy parenting for a start. <laughs> and only while I'm allowing it. Yeah, yeah. I, I tend not to pull people up when they tended not to, especially when they're little and, you know, you'd wheel past some judgmental old woman in Coles yes. who tells you something yeah. that she'd never say to a woman. Maureen, her name would be, probably. <laughs> it was my mum's name, so oh, probably, it's probably Cheryl. spot on. <laughs> but, um, you know, and and they'd say something, you know, and you think, oh, and they'd say, oh, why hasn't she got, 
a beanie on. Why does she got mm-hmm. s- shoes, shoes on? Like yeah. they never have shoes on. Like, yeah. You know, all that sort of stuff. And I would just go, oh yeah, I don't know. Like I, I just never let it really, Get really f- affect me. Yeah. Um, because I, I've always wanted to grow kids with zero fucks. Oh, absolutely. Like not not about things that matter. No, of course. But about things that don't don't matter. matter. You know, like I don't care if my children swear. I don't. Well, they, they Educate do them on where they should and shouldn't possibly. Well, maybe. Miss, I'm busting for a piss. Can I go to the toilet? Look, we've we've had a few <laughs> we've had a few instances at preschool and primary school where there's like where the, the teachers said to me, "Look, you know, they don't care either." But you know, um, for for a long while, my who is now how old is he now? He's now seven. When he was about five, his favourite saying was, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and he'd do it, you know, That's looking up at the roof, like yes. perfect, perfect inflection. And it was just me. It was exactly the same tone as I would use. And like, how can you? I can't say to him. No, you can't. No. I can't say to that child, don't say that. Because would be like, no. but why? Like, you you are exactly the reason I say that. Yep. And so I've never wanted to be the parent who goes... Don't do that. Doesn't matter what I do. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, and just to, you know, if, if the worst thing in the world, if my kids, the worst thing they do is turn out to be swearers, not done so bad. If they, if they're some of the more interesting people that you have conversations with are able to let you know some of, yeah. all of. But you know, if if my children, I wouldn't say have, everyone who swears constantly is interesting though. <laughs> no, that's true <laughs> enough. That is true. But if my children have. Um, yeah, if they have a sense of empathy and a sense of inclusivity and compassion, they are kind. Kindness wins, I think that was kindness uh, wins, man. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't care. I don't care. And so that's kind of you know when when the judgmental old lady has a go at me and Kyle, so I just think I just let her wash over me. Like, I, yeah, she'll be dead in ten years. My kids, are gonna be, <laughs> my kids are going to be running the world in ten years, and she'll be dead. So. Such a, you know. <laughs> oh fuck off you old bat you'll be dead soon anyway <laughs> yeah. um well okay so you said you you're one of six kids or seven one seven so that where is it this is a catholic family oh, yes yeah, sure is mate yeah, okay every sperm is sacred um yeah so we i have four brothers and two sisters and where uh, do you fit in the uh, i'm in the sort of neglected middle section oh, okay number five yeah <laughs> I have two little brothers and my little baby brother is my baby brother who is 40 odd mind you right. um, still a child at heart he might listen to this so I want to choose my words <laughs> no uh, um, yeah he's just you know that's you are how you turn out to be yeah absolutely um, yeah. judging on the environment you grow up in and, and, and become a man in I, I have my two sisters and my eldest siblings and so we had two girls and then five boys, and um, you know they've they've always been my extra mum, yes, mums, you know, right. um, which has been really nice and and f- frustrating as fuck sometimes, but really nice mostly. So, so where about what area did you grow up in? Around here, we grew up at Bado Bay and shit, really, yeah. Okay, so and, you've not uh, strayed too far from home. No, I did for a little while. Um, I was I was out of Australia for about eight years. Okay, where'd you go? All over the place. I, I, I used to work in diving. Scuba diving is two people have scuba dive, right? And so I did that mostly. That was a way to kind of pay for your holiday, like yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pay for me just to stay away from Australia. It was all. Were you escaping something? Yeah, of course. Okay, Um, I was escaping a whole lot of trauma as a child, a whole lot of um, just shit I didn't want to, didn't want to live with. 
Yes. You know, and I didn't have to be me with can, all that crap. Yeah, you can escape and was, create your own character. Whoever I wanted to be. Yes. Um, so that helped for well, didn't actually. In the well, short term, it helps it helped. you escape. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it only compounds the problems. But, you know, we're working on that now. But, yeah, so I, I work mostly in the Caribbean and um, oh, around wow. Asia. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, it was ace, man. Awesome. Oh, it was just. It so was you were just the best. you were just chasing the sun then for yeah for pretty much years. just um we lived in I just lived in constant summer wow for for a long time um and I would go kind of from continent to con- like from summer to summer because um, often those jobs you know they just last while the tourists last yeah exactly um, yeah so you know you go to the there's Greek no point going and working you know down at Threadbow and Parish or during no. the middle of the summer although no. there are well, there, there is the mountain bike stuff but, but yeah but uh, you know uh, the the season in the Greek islands for instance you know goes from May to August you might get a little bit of a fringe but but then but that coincides with the time when the hurricanes are in the Caribbean, so yes. that's fine. Okay. And then you just got to move around. I, I just kind of mo- followed hurricane season really a lot. <laughs> As in you went in just after it? Just after or got out just, just before. before. I, 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 um, I, was, I lived through two or three of them wow. where, where I was living and um, it was pretty hectic. Spent much time in Europe? So you said you were in the Greek islands, but sort of mainland I, I've, Europe? I've been, yeah, I've been kind of everywhere. I spent a fair bit of time in Scandinavia. Um and yeah, just sort of continental Europe. I lived in the UK for a little while, you know, worked in a pub like when every you other were under twenty seven on that uh, that old visa system. That one? Uh no, no? I missed that. Okay. I was too old for that. I think so. they bumped it up to twenty nine a few years ago, and I yeah, think it's all, I th- all I about think they did too. about anyway. I, I used to just go for the six like six month tourist and just work cash jobs in pubs. Yes. Yeah. Little Australia and parts. Of my bro- one of my other brothers is over there. I think he's actually pulling the pin in um, December, and then they're going to go and spend twelve months, I think, in Spain. And oh, sounds amazing. And oh, he's been over there for be five, six years now. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Rocco's been in Amsterdam for uh, a long time. 10, 10 or eleven years. Yeah, so right. Yeah, nice. I'm sure they were escaping something as well. But might be you, mate. You might you might be the common denominator. I, I didn't have anything to do with it when they made the choice. <laughs> Maybe it was the absence of me. They couldn't bear to know I was on the same continent as them, and they, they weren't seeing me. We've got to get to the other side of the world. <laughs> right. So the uh, you've got two books that you've published. Yeah. Congratulations Thank on that. You. Um, you're Australia's expert storyteller, mm-hmm. and uh, do you have to trademark that? You can just say it. I think once you just say it, people kind of... <laughs> if you tell it as part of a Australia's story, storytelling expert, I should just... Australia's uh, storytelling expert. You don't just say we got it verbatim. Um, so what what led you into writing the books? Was this a thing where you went, I want to make a shit ton of cash, I want to be the next Stephen King, I want to... No, you, 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 don't, you don't make money directly from... Well, unless you're J.K. Rowling or the dude who writes the... Whatever it is... Game of Thrones books. Game of Thrones stuff, yeah. Um, I don't think many people are making cash, stacks of cash from the book, but I make money from writing, uh, like on for speaking and in coaching and in consulting. You know, like it's kind of a really good business card. Yes, for me. So, the first book I wrote, which is which um, became the bestseller, which is, was um, Reboot Your Thinking, was Twenty Eight Days to Think Different, Be Better. So that is kind of a 
programmatic way, four-week program that I run through end-to-end constantly in my life just to keep my superpowers, so I call them, um, at bay and and just get through get through life without descending into some sort of crazy spiral. And so is this a toolkit? Do you run it sort of back to back, or yeah, is I do. this a toolkit that you go? I know I need to do this now. I I know I keep having to focus on those themes each each day. Um, becomes part of my journaling sort of pattern, and and it just it just stops me descending into self pity. Yeah, because that and be- that becomes that like self fulfilling thing where it's oh, very totally. easy to get into a tailspin. You know, I can one of my favorite. Um, sayings is Carl Jung quotes um, I'm not what happened to me or what I choose to become and I make that choice every day right. like I can choose to be it's a very proactive thinking I, I have to be though Josh like I, if I don't make that decision um, then I become the a junkie passenger. then I become okay. the mad guy then I become the fuck up so what was the when you say junkie and it, a seen it on uh, on one of the YouTube videos that you've got up there where you're doing a, a talk and you talk about the fact that your um, shortcomings are your gifts mm. more or less mm. and, and that's an, I try to um, encourage that with people too which is to you can change your view on something like yep. that's very explicit and very confronting the way that you talk about it like you're unreliable therefore the positive is that no one relies, no one relies on, on you ever <laughs> Um, then um, but that's literally just a mindset on a thing it's a reframing of a story which reframing which, I hear that a lot in the therapy side of things yeah well and it's something you know it's not just a reframing it's the fact that I'm reframing it as opposed to having society or my partner or my children or my family or my friends reframing that story for me which is what a lot of people allow people to do yeah because people want to do the least amount of work it's the path of least resistance right is just to go well um if i'm an addict then then this is the playbook for me this is who i have to be this is what i have to say this is what i have to feel there's a certain level of comfort there too it's very cozy mate it's very familiar and it's non-challenging and it's and again no one expects anything more of you than that you know, people people will rarely expect more of you than you expect of yourself. Very rarely. If you that's if true. you project to the world that you are nothing, yep. then that's exactly how the world will see you. Sometimes, sometimes you can say I'm something and the world can go, Well, I disagree, but not very often. It's usually the world taking its cue from us. That is true. Um and that that can uh, obviously lead to or be a source of uh, a reasonable amount of anxiety for people too where they're seeing their behavior and then sort of posthumously judging or looking at what they did and being frustrated with that being the behavior that they did and then it's that addict cycle too where you're like i am a piece of shit so fuck it what's the matter i'm just gonna do this and do this and do this and do this Um, i think one of the great distinctions that i that i talk about a lot is the difference in exactly what you were just saying, the difference between shame and guilt. So, you know, guilt being, um, I did that and it was bad. I did a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But shame says, I am bad. Yes. And doing a bad thing, that, that's escapable. That's reparable. But, but if even- you think you are bad, then then that's fucked. That's hard. 
very much so. The that's an interesting thing. I was discussing pretty much that idea with Perry, which is the idea that if you do something that you think is kind of a shit behavior, look at it afterwards and go, okay, but that's not defining me. Like I did that shit thing, but I now have the ability to make amends, reparations, whatever, or redefine myself and 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 change that behavior. But if you beat yourself up about your fuck ups and you're constantly beating yourself up, I am a piece of shit because of blah. That's, I mean, it's a more articulate way that you've sort of framed it there, which is that's the shame versus the guilt. Yeah, you should feel guilty about doing bad. Guilty's shit. healthy. Guilty's Absolutely. guilty's okay. It teaches us boundaries behavior. and it teaches yeah. us limitations. And I think sometimes it's just even owning that shit, even owning the fact that you did it. So sometimes in 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 my not sometimes often in my life, particularly in a relationship or a transactional human transaction with people, I have not been good i've not been the good guy i've not done the best work (laughs) haven't been the best version of myself and so i can go well there's a hundred reasons why that other person is to blame here and there might be 101 why i'm but i'm not there's a hundred for them so let's just focus on that you know and so it's you know it's i'm not what happened to me i'm what i choose to become i can choose to go oh fuck i did that and I and he's and I'd like to make amends to you for it, or I did that. I'm going to try not to do it again. I'm going to try tomorrow to be a slightly better version of myself than I was today. Yeah, that's that, I found that a hugely powerful thing too, particularly regarding this, you know, tall poppy syndrome and whatnot in Australia. Is people always wanting to measure themselves against other people's successes or failures or whatever, and and ultimately that becomes a really shallow and and empty kind of existence where I try and only measure myself based on what I was yesterday. And sometimes I go, hey, I'm slightly shit, more shit today, but you know what, tomorrow's a new day or I can, you know, make something happen this afternoon. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's part of that ownership, you know, not the extreme ownership sort of thing that Jocko kind of goes on with, but at least understanding and, and feeling okay with, the fact that you're on a path to some sort of improvement. Totally. Based on who I was yesterday or who I am today. But that also means that you need to be aware of who you were yesterday. So there needs to be some... Don't you don't you think don't you think we all are though? I think if you if you don't look at it objectively and we can't look at anything in our lives purely objectively and based on what our actions were because we're, we're always able to say I know how I was feeling I mean that's the that's part of our memory system which is I did this because I was feeling this even you know I went to make a cup of tea because well fuck I wanted a cup of tea mm. so you're never going to be able to be sort of purely objective about the whole thing but you should kind of step back from yourself a little bit, I guess. Um, but I don't know that necessarily everyone's able to do that. I think oh, the, pe- I... the people that particularly suffer from this whole victimhood mentality in particular, they're not able to go, what was I doing? What am I doing? What have I been doing wrong? Sure. So they don't... And then, then they can't they can't benchmark anything. But, but what I'm saying is they do know that. They do know that. They could. Yeah. So what would be an example then? So... Well, thing of a fictitious okay. character. Okay, somebody yeah. um, somebody lashes out at their romantic partner yep. for something that they they perceive as uh, as been a, a wrong to them. They've they've 
and the, and the, and the partner will say, okay, uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry that I did that, you know, and the other person will, will just gloss over that, not accept that apology, not interact with it longer. Yeah, well, you fucking, this is what you did, and just keep reiterating that stuff. So they're, they're seeing the apology like that's an opening now, so I can yeah. keep going towards. So that. if you apologise, that means there's a hole somehow in your armour here where I can just stick my fucking thumb in. Yep. I don't have to twist the blade. Graciously go, yeah. Uh, instead of graciously going, okay, well that's that's where we meet. That's where, that's where we are. You know, people can't. This is a chance to start to make sort of amends based on the situation that's happening. I, I found because I've been through twelve step stuff, right, and a big part of the twelve step program is making amends at a at a particular step along the way. And so, I've always had a problem with it. Always had a problem with it because I'm like from an ego point. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, okay. Hundred percent from that, and and you know, the, the the actual wording of the step is you know um, I made amends for for the wrongs that I've done against other people uh, unless it was um, I can't think of the exact words now uh, unless it's not helpful to do so. Fault. Okay, no, no unless it, it's going to hurt them more to do so. <laughs> oh, okay, right. Yeah, that's interesting. So you know if if I um, if someone cheats on a girlfriend seventeen years ago, you don't necessarily have to go and tell that person. To make amends for that, because it's if, prob- if they weren't aware of it, they at didn't the time. know in the first place, and yeah, you know, it's you're just not helpful. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's a real ego disturbance for me to have to, it, for a long time, to say sorry for anything, anything at all, at all. Which yeah. you know is a reflection of my childhood trauma, where no one said sorry to me. Okay, um, I know that now, and people should have been sorry, and nobody has ever said sorry. So is this more a parent thing, or is no, this siblings, no, no, whole just, family unit? Just, just the world, you know. Uh, it's so funny you mentioned the victim. Uh, I can't get the way you put it now, but the victim, victim mentality. Because yeah. Yeah. in a lot of ways, like when I was a child, I was a victim. I am a victim of stuff that happened to me as a kid. For sure. And so when people say, like the the number one way to to get me to blow up <laughs> is to say... So tell me where this button is. Yeah. <laughs> is to say, oh, you're playing the fucking victim card. And I... <laughs> you, know, you, know, um, you know when Marty McFly is called a chicken? And that, yes, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my fucking... You're a chicken? What are you, yellow? Yeah. That's, that's me. Because I think... Well, I, that is what I am. Like, am I not let, why, am I, why am I not allowed to be that? You know? I understand the reference and the you know the frame of reference and the text yeah. that that people the context that people put that in, but I do think that if if you are victimised, particularly as a child, it's very hard to get out of that. Um, but that that be your your standard response. My standard response. So if it boils down to an emotional level, so it's a, a day that you've done eighteen hours of of work. You've been travelling to and from Sydney. You've done speaking events. You come back and then there's a a trigger where you're like oh fuck this is just too much for me to deal with right now what's the matter with you mate why are you playing the victim card so that's your instant emotional response instantly yeah and you know i can um because uh, i just think sometimes it just requires a little bit of empathy and kindness from everybody to be able to go yeah, that's that's your reaction. It's not your reaction. Per, let me find that book of fucked up reactions. Oh, here it is under V. You, this is what you're doing. Like that's, yes. it's yeah. not because I'm not the same. 
um, victim as everyone else because I wasn't victimized in the same way as everyone else. Like it's it's too black and white, you know. It's too black and white to say, oh, this this is this is what happens to to a person, and then when they get to this age, they do this, and now when someone lashes out at me, it's because of this. Um, I just I think it's very easy to try to put people in those holes. I just don't think it matters anymore. So uh, from the point of view of kind of trying to shed that victim side of things, I'm not talking about your circumstance particularly, but I think a lot of people are seeing that narrative played in particularly, you know, left versus right right debates and Mm. um, social justice warriors and and the whole hot climate of debating regarding... Climate. (laughs) Also, uh, it's lovely that climate somehow become a political thing. Uh, yeah, if you're if you're left, you believe the world's dying. If you're right, that's no, all good, bro. Just mm. keep keep going on, BAU. Um, but the the idea from a um, self help side of things is you go, okay, well, I'm able. To, you're obviously you've done a hell of a lot of this and a lot of speaking on these things, no doubt. But being able to say that is that circumstance, and now I'm yeah. able to control my day from. From there, which yep. is exactly what you were saying before. And you can sit in it and react any way you like. Yeah. But if you don't sit in it in the first place. So this is the other thing that I think um, sometimes people who have an addiction issues like I do is we try, I try, not to feel any of that shit. I don't, I don't want to feel that stuff. Like I don't want to feel dis-ease. I don't want to feel discomfort in any way. So I will find something that is one of my addictive agents and just anesthetize that. Right. And then, and sometimes <laughs> I've got a history of not so much now that I'm in recovery from it, but you know, in my history of being an active addict was I will, I will use one of those things so that somebody else knows that I've used it so that they will blow up at me so that they will reinforce the idea that I actually am shit. Fuck. Yeah, man. Because that's mean, that's like that's cozy. That's yeah, but that's like the opposite of lazy. Oh, exactly. <laughs> like I'll like actively. I would for a long time. I would actively convince you that I was a fuckwit. Wow. You know, because then okay. Well, the pressure's, I know how the to pressure's do that. off you. Yeah, of course. You don't have to be anything. I have then. to be. I have to be better then. So what was the? How did how did the drugs start? I guess. No, it's it's not just drug. Like it's. But I guess like that. That, from a societal standpoint, is the most sure, abrasive. Sure, but I, yeah. but I, but I do think it's worth making the point that I am an addict, right? So that can be boxing, that can be work, that can mm-hmm. be jelly beans, that could be sex or porn or booze or alcohol or yeah. what cigarettes? Ci- well, yeah. Not cigarettes, weirdly, but <laughs> I don't know why. But um, but that you know, it's just an, it's just anything that will will let me not sit in a feeling. So it gives you a, a known state that you're going to. You've got a predicted path that you can see. Or to avoid a known state. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so so, so now being clean and sober... How long has that been? I ended rehab uh, first time 10th of January 2016, so... Okay. A little while. Yeah. But, but now that I am, um, and I'm one day clean I'm always one day clean and sober I'm, I don't you know, even when you say how long is that it initially it instantly gets my hackles up like oh, okay. I'm 
I'm okay today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. Because uh, it's an everyday battle, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't want to... Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I can be really competitive. I am really competitive. And some of that, sometimes I can turn that on myself. Like, you know, you haven't been four years clean. You haven't been 40,000 years clean. Yep. So you might as well fucking... Yeah, yeah. That's, a, you're, uh, <laughs> that's another thing. As I've been having that exact same conversation. I'm trying to get off smokes um, by by no means as as sort of aggressive on um, in, from the societal standpoint at all. But when I trip up and I have a cigarette, I go, fucking hell, man. I was like, you know, three months without having a cigarette. And that used to really burden me. Like it p- pissed me yeah. off so much. But then I started to reframe that even where I go, you've smoked one day out of like 90 days. That's actually an achievement. And then if I need to quantify it, go, okay, well, look how much money you've actually saved and blah, blah, blah. And then you go, oh, I've actually achieved some shit. And then you go, well, not so bad. Then tomorrow's a new day. You're saying that like that's not a good plan it's not the plan no you want? i think it works well for me okay yeah i wasn't i wasn't sure of you no i know but i mean it, it's it's more so that you, it's that thing where people are like oh it's been uh 186 days and i've got my coin and blah 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 it's like yeah but i mean that's a dangerous path because you're hanging your hat on the fact it's been 186 days and then you have one slip up and it's very easy to just go straight down that path yep. again and and then people go well i was clean for six and a half years i've used tonight I might as well. Yes, exactly. Like there's no, That's I can't problem. make I've up for I've broken it, yeah. right? They've bro- I've broken, this was one thing. Whereas if you look at it, st- take a step so, back, so you he, achieve so much. He, here's what I reckon about that, right? I think 12-step programs have a lot to answer for, some of which is really great. Most of which is really great. Um, you know, Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, whatever it is, Anonymous, has saved millions and millions of lives. There's no fucking question about that. I'm, I'm not, 100% convinced that a focus on complete abstinence forever for everything for whatever is okay just that thing yeah is is particularly helpful now that's not what 12 step is actually 12 step doesn't doesn't prescribe abstinence forever it, pre- it prescribes abstinence for today yeah just for today but i find a lot of people in those communities run with that yes and go well. I'm, I'm done. I'm never going to drink. I'm never going to whatever. I, and that might be good for them. I hope it is. But for me, I, I go, I go to six a.m. the next day. So if it is a time where I want to use whatever whatever my addictive agent is at the time in my head, mm-hmm. I actively say to myself. <laughs> I talk to myself a lot. I actively say to myself, just get to six a.m. That's a really good one. If you get to 6 a.m., you can use. Right. And then by the time you get to 6 a.m. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, and then 6 a.m. rolls around and you go, oh, well, I'll go to 6 a.m. Right. Next day. That's a good one. Next day, next day. So, for you know, that truly is the the, the just for today thinking for me is I've just got to get to 6 a.m. Because sometimes, though, that 6 a.m. is... 3 p.m. or 3 no. 30 p.m. Yep, yep. In, in my mind, you yeah, know, yeah. and I go, I could just get there, just get there, just get there, wherever there is. And and I find that so much easier than to think I will never ever use ever again. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, absolutely. So, have you then 
so uh, it was drugs but was there alcohol as well was that a I've never really a had a problem with alcohol but I kind of feel like I will if you know <laughs> if you let it go. I could give it a crack <laughs> um, give it a touch up and see what it's all about but I've never it's it's never been something which I've craved or anything like that at at this stage yes um but again it it, it is a way that I anesthetize my feelings mm-hmm and just disrupt that discomfort. I think I'll just have a beer um, or whatever. So I tend, I just tend to stay away from it, really. Okay. I, I don't, I'm not strictly stringently about it. So social situations and whatnot doesn't really even... No, nah, not really. No, doesn't bother you too Not much. really. I'll tell you, some days in summer when it's really hot, yeah, I just finished mowing the lawn today. Like in that situation, <laughs> right? That's the exact situation. I think, yeah. fuck, I would love a beer. Yeah. But then I think, well, I just want a beer. Like, and then I go, well, have one at six a.m. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I, you know, I do, I do have a beer now and then. But I, yeah. the other, <laughs> the greatest invention ever is Heineken zero point zero. I don't know if you. Yeah, I haven't actually tried it yet, mate. It's good. Does it taste just like Heineken I can? As well? I can honestly, hand on heart, say if you did the Pepsi taste test thing, yeah, you know, with the brunt, wouldn't be able to There's tell. no way you could tell it's not Heineken, Heineken normal Heineken beer. Right. It's amazing. It's got to be cheaper though, doesn't it? It's missing something. <laughs> it's. I think it's more expensive. <laughs> oh fuck! Um, but the weirdest thing is, you go into Dan Murphy's to buy it. Yep, and you still need ID. <laughs> there's like this little section. Well, I don't know about that. Because no one, no one asked me for ID. But there's this little section of all the non-alcoholic beers, which you have to if you're. a active alcoholic, you would have to walk into Dan Murphy's yeah, that's right. and then so walk past not? all the other beer to get to it. <laughs> Shit. Like, I think, I think one of them, um, not the Heineken, it might be the Carlton one, is available at like 7-Eleven servos right. in the fridge next to Coke and stuff like that, yep. uh, which seems a lot kinder. I, I mean, the government would have been <laughs> fucking bent over backwards making that happen be, though. Like, they, they would they, have hated well, it. Well, but they all, the government all must also be like, well, fuck, we can't let these drinking taxpayers start getting hooked on this shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, we need them to pay the yeah, taxes. We need the taxes. Yeah, there's no alcohol in there. So, yeah. So, for me, I just, um, you know, it's 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 not it's not drugs or it's not anything else. It's just the sense of um, what I can obsessively use so that I don't have to deal with being me. Yes. And that's every day, and that's going to be an ongoing thing. But you've kind of you've made your peace with that. That's that's yeah. you. You until yeah. It's so funny you say that. Like it's so funny when people say that. I'm not saying you say that, but like when you make peace with stuff. Like I, I take um, an antidepressant every day. Which one are you on? I'm on fluvoxamine. Okay, it's an antidepressant. Yeah. And I was on. A, I was. On, it's like my fifth one. And the others were brutal. Shit. Especially the last one, I was on Zoloft and it was just... Yeah, uh, Zoloft is what I was uh, going to oh, be put man. on in my late teens and mum just said, no, not happening, mate, just wait. Yeah, it was yeah, it was terrible. But uh, the one I'm on now is Ace, right? And I've kind of, I guess what you would say, that I've made peace with the fact that I think I'm going to take it forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's okay. It truly is okay for me. Like, I don't get the... I mean, I understand why there's shame in some people's minds around that because it's tied to weakness and it's tied to this and it's tied to that. It's perceived weakness by people who oh, yeah, don't it fucking is. understand well, what the hell they're talking well, about. Of course it is, yeah. but it's still real to people. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who would benefit from an antidepressant who don't take one because 
they I'm not taking a fucking injured person. My ex, exactly that situation. Didn't want to be in that position, you know, suffering from huge levels of anxiety and her sister as well. And um, she saw it as her duty or her, her way to help her sister <clears throat> was to deal with her own anxiety, get onto the meds, and then hopefully that would encourage her sister to do the same. Yeah, I know. It's a complex and convoluted... But that's, that was the way it that, is, that unfolded. And it is, mate, but it's also very simple and replicated a hundred times a day in people who put other people's needs before their own. Yes. So, speaking of other people, do you um, do you find fear of judgment of other people a driver for you? Nah. No? So, you've not been too concerned not about... Not now. No? Not now. previously? Yeah. Yeah? For sure. And what, what was the... Um, Sort of changing of the guard there. Was there a was there an impetus I, for it, or you just got getting, older and you had getting kids? getting clean and sober? Um, putting myself through rehab twice because I'm a slow learner. Um, <laughs> you know the the, the Do you get the third one cheaper. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think the amount the tremendous amount of therapy I've had, um, all those things have just accumulated into making me less give a shit. Yeah. About other people's, like I've got. I sort of feel like I've got enough. Crazy shit in here. Yeah. In, points to head. Points to head. <laughs> um, for me, without anybody else's crap coming in. So Yeah, that's a really... You know, I'm just going to... And I think, th- that said, I still get the old um, imposter syndrome thing a lot, where I think, who the fuck are you to... Who, who, who am I to be sitting here doing this with you? Who right? am I to be sitting here doing this with you? <laughs> um, and yeah. I, you know, I, I often say like, I often speak in at conferences and shit like that, right? On a, on a stage in front of an audience, right? Mm-hmm. And about 45 seconds generally before I step up, every single time, I think... You shit yourself. Today's the day. Yeah. Really? I'm not nervous, right? Yeah. Not nervous. This, this is when I'm going to be found out? This is when... This is the day they find out. This is the day <laughs> they're all sitting there thinking, you are full of shit. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You're not who you think you are. All that. Every single fucking time. Wow. So, yeah. That's powerful. Yep. That's, and that's I'm impressive. still waiting for that to not happen. <laughs> but, uh, but it happens. And, and Is this purely on the presenting side of things? So, yep. if you're doing face-to-face work with clients, you're not of that ilk? Never. Did you suffer guilt for charging people money early in the day? No. Never? Never. So, you well, you were quite business savvy. You'd, you'd been around the, the traps for quite a long period yeah, of time. Yeah, I think that's a gift for me, really, actually. And I always think... If I'm working with, if somebody's paying me for coaching or therapy, um, I'm providing them a lifetime value of this much, whatever this much is. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes the work that you do with a therapist or a coach or whoever is your, your Svengali, um, saves your life. Yeah. Might save your marriage, might save your family, might save your community. Who knows? Like, there's a big, and that's an unquantifiable sum of money at that point. Too. So I've got no, I've got no qualms <laughs> about that. So how's the um, how's business going? Is it you said that you did a um, chat with Kerwin Ray a little while ago, and that's yeah. come out recently. So you're yeah, getting a bit of buzz off the back. Yeah, of that. yeah, I do. Um, Kerwin and I have been mates for a long time, and um, we, you know. I always joke that I, I knew Kerwin before he was famous. <laughs> to him, he hates when I say that. Because um, <laughs> he'll go, I'm not fucking famous. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I've um, I've sort of, so in my business, I've kind of got three pillars. So I've got like uh, speaking, which is my biggest revenue generating 
part of the business. Um, then the writing, which is not really <laughs> that generating. And then the therapy slash coaching, which is just starting to take off big now. Um, okay. Where I work with people one-on-one and um, and we talk about fear and we talk about trauma and we talk about ugly shit. And Is this um, to help people like on a personal level yeah. or predominantly on the business? Side um, they're kind of predominantly business people. Okay. Who come thinking sometimes that we're doing that. <laughs> and then more and more it just comes down to self-love, self-talk. Kindness, uh, kindness, trauma, empathy, all that good shit, which makes them better as a business person, but also I think helps them be a better version of themselves as a human as well. Right. That's uh, what. Why did you end up going down this path for 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 your own uh, for your own business side of things? Um, you but, wanted to. You had something that you wanted to offer people. Yeah. Like you wanted to get it out into the ether. Yeah, I did. I I, I was good at it. I am good at it. And so I sort of thought, well, I could help other people here. But if I'm doing that, then it's going to take up a lot of time. So I have to charge for that. Yep. To, and that's how it became a business imperative, a commercial imperative. Right. But um, there's no one really, there's no one really in the same space that I am exactly. Um, certainly not doing it the same way that I'm doing it. So for whatever, whatever I've got people coming to me repeatedly. And buying three three things at a, three sessions at a time or ten sessions at a time, I think, well, fuck, it's working. It's working. Like They're I don't know, I don't need it. any more quantification around it than that. You know that, that somebody that somebody is gaining some benefit from it. So you don't need their validation. No, because they're putting money in your pocket. Yep, and that is the validation. It's, it's an emotional thing for them to part with money, and therefore, particularly when they know that what we're going to talk about is deep, hard, yuck. Yep. shit in them that they don't want to they don't want to talk about so what were your qualifications coming in to, to be able to sort of provide these services so I have a diploma in counselling um, I've got a degree in health science too, back from a million years ago yeah. which I've never used um, my greatest qualification though is that I am just able to empathise and listen and that was a good one I like that it and, sounded nice and rehearsed do you like that? Yeah, on my business card. But you know, that's that's the biggest thing. I, I think I'm sort of of the mind that there's there's so much less emphasis in the world now on what certificate is hanging on the wall, as opposed to you're somebody who I can connect with, who will listen to me, who empathises with me. You can help me, and that's not just in that coaching therapy space, but in everything. You know, there's some things obviously. You know, if you want to fix your car, you have to be able to know how to... You'd have to take someone who knows what they're doing, right? But or I, have learned. From that person or someone else. Or from fucking it up yourself. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like there's so much... I think that our kids will graduate into a world where that stuff doesn't matter. The university system, the whole system of I need to put my life on hold for five years to get that certificate and to then be that person mm-hmm. that surely our kids won't be doing that well my son he has a, uh, a condition called agenesis of the corpus callosum so the corpus callosum being the nerve endings between your left and right hemisphere right. so we found out 10 weeks in vitro that he was going to be born missing part of his brain and they said 
we're not really sure what's going to happen. Right. So from a learning standpoint, he's ASD two, so autism, and then um, he's got definitely learning difficulties and those kinds of things, which are ongoing challenges. But he's, I'm he's not going to go to university. But I'm so happy about that too. Like myself, I tried a couple of university degrees and generally pulled out before the census day. But uh, that's the last pull-out joke I'll make today. Uh, the um, Apart from the three you made before we started. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said that's the last one. <laughs> it's very thin. Um, yeah, so... That um, and myself, like I'm, I'm currently, I'm a DevOps engineer, and I'm running, been running some of the biggest websites in Australia, sort of government and, and non-government. And I do not have a certificate hanging on the mm. wall, but I've been doing it for a long fucking time and continued to refine my skills to become better and better. Yep. Always staying current. I mean, that's a bit of a, a wanky industry thing, but oh, I think that that is it. You know, I think uh, there was no, you know. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have a degree in how to run Facebook. No. You know? But he's doing and all his right. First, what was his first business card said? I'm CEO, bitch. Yeah. Fuck, I would do that as well. <laughs> I love that. But, uh, you know, there's the world is like, I just think that there will, there'll be some things, I guess, being a surgeon or being a... Oh, yeah. You, you, know, you don't want someone out there doing an internet sure. degree. But, but I think that sometimes it, it just requires, you know, people, especially about the therapist thing, right? So I think people freak out a bit about therapy and i think sometimes you just need to step back and go well anytime you're sitting with a friend or anyone and you're telling them something about you and they're listening that's therapy yeah there's a catharsis of sorts happening that, and that's it yeah. as long as as long as you're being heard and not judged and not told you know what you should do yeah. you know what you've got oh, to do that's a fun one or you must do this, or you need to do that. Like, I, I've tried to completely eliminate the words should and must from my brain. And, and occasionally I catch myself saying it, oh, fuck, I hate that. Yeah. I, I try to always say, again, reframing it, um, this is what I would do if I was you. Yeah. Or maybe I would think about doing, you know, like whatever. Is it possible? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that maybe rather than, you know, this is what you should do, mate. Because I know as me, as soon as someone tells me what I need to do, yeah. I think, actually, you need to fucking shut up. You need to be less hard on yourself. <laughs> yeah. I feel, so, like, yeah. I feel like I've just put you in this weird little, <laughs> but he said something nice, but he still said it. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny, right? Because I, I, I talk about concepts and themes that people don't want to talk about every day that's kind of my thing your shtick that's my shtick so i i love it i love people's reaction to that and how varied that reaction is particularly men like mates of mine that have been male mates of mine forever they can't handle me they don't like it they want me to be like them they want me to be like their dad they want me to be you know, can't we just talk about shit that doesn't matter? Can't we just talk about the footy and the weather? And I'm like, no, we're, we're going to talk about the universe today. That's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, oh, speaking gonna... of the footy, did I see that you, were you a bunny supporter? Were. I mean, sorry, I figured, <laughs> I figured after they've lost. <laughs> Mate, I've been a bunny supporter for 48 years and we've only won once in that time. So, yes, I'm not a bandwagon jumper like uh, some people. 
you know, save up and you can buy them off Russell Crowe in a few years. Wait, I'm getting a, I'm getting a, you're not, are you? Well, I'm not a follower of football oh, at all. No. I thought you were going to say you're a Roosters fan and that would just be like, <laughs> uh, the They're just a friendship. bunch of cocks, aren't they? <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't, I don't follow football. Okay. But used to my, um, back in my uh, childhood home at North Avoca. Newcastle Knights was the team to, right. to follow, yeah, apparently. Benign enough, they're never going to struggle. Or- My grandparents were um, Canterbury Bulldog supporters. They were yeah. a very different team now to what they were <laughs> when my grandparents were just around the corner. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, the other book, so what took you... So Reboot was your first one. Yep. Did you then... Um, figure okay well, I've dug I've got some more experiences now I'd like to chuck them down on, on pages or um, there was so it was a combination the second book was a combination of stuff that I thought I should have had in the first one <laughs> and then stuff that had become more and more apparent in my own life in the time from when I published the first one to okay. writing that so developments on the concepts that were in there as well mm, slightly different ones so okay. so the second book is large so the second book is called actually it is all about me and it's about codependence how being basically. selfish can actually be selfless yep so it's you know people and we mentioned it briefly before about um, your ex saying you know, she had to she had to basically live for somebody else she had to sort somebody else's shit out well yes. that's not what we're here for no actually. that's right yeah um you know so it's a very big focus for me is um putting myself first in every single decision in my life bar none and i know what that sounds like well even when you're trying even when you're actively going to jeopardize you tomorrow i guess that that yep. makes perfect sense so you're yep. you're selecting you over the other you Yep. So it makes a lot of sense, I guess. But certainly, but certainly I'm selecting me over anybody else. If I can't, if I'm not content and happy and if I'm not being the best version of myself and making my world aim towards that, then I'm no fucking use to anybody else. Yes. And our parents, our mothers especially, that's all they did. Put everyone else first. A life, and there's even like an Einstein quote, a life lived... What's the life live uh, life isn't lived unless live for someone else. Well, no, that's mm. patently untrue. Yeah, and that's another that's another thing in her family. Like not just her, but also like a bit of that Munchausen's by proxy type yep. deal happening with some other members of the family, and it's super fucking unhealthy. And it's yeah, it, it's obvious. It is so fucking obvious to everybody, but nobody. This is the obvious thing to me, right? If 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 you're a person, let's say a mum or a dad, but, right. but we will be dads okay. for the purpose of this. Okay, listen, yep. that's good. And and all you do as a dad is put your wife first, put your children first, put everybody else first. There's only two outcomes of that: you're going to die fucking miserable, mm-hmm. or you're going to get to a certain point in your life and go, "Hang on, hang on, I'm your child's going to ask." For one too many things. And you're going to listen. For the last 50 years, all I've done is bent over backwards for you, little fuck. <laughs> and I'm not going to do it now. Yeah. And you, and it becomes a thing then. Like you blow up and you become full of resentment. And, and you know, the only way out of that is to at first put yourself first. Make sure you're all right. Put your fucking oxygen on before you... Yes, help anybody else. put it on with the kids so true like it's 
I see it all the time. And it's, it's the generation of our parents, which have just, like their parents, fucked them badly. And they've done their best to do it to us. And it's now our mm. job as parents who are 20, 30, 40s to go, okay, we can, we can change that now. Yeah, well, look, I, I can't disagree with you there. I um, Working on the marriage, working on yourself, keeping that at the forefront of the family unit, I find is it's super fucking important mm. because if there's no real sort of substance there and, and if th- that's not working to lead the family and provide the food, money and education that needs for, for these kids to, you know, these flesh parasites to live and, and prosper and, and become you know, replace us eventually in the world, then everything's for naught. Yep. So, Plus, they're, they're watching everything. So if, and, and, and you can't be what you can't see. If, you, if, you're, if you're a little girl and your mother just lives for you, yep. devotes their entire life to your dancing, to your fucking, all that shit, <laughs> then that child, all that child is learning is how to be that woman. Yep. Whereas, it's very funny that you're saying this. Anyway, <laughs> whereas if you sell your child, your daughter, especially, yeah. actually, you can be whatever the fuck you want to be. You don't have to be her. You don't have to be nanny. You don't have to be anyone. You have to be you, and the, to do that, you have to look after yourself first. You are not just a wife and mother in waiting. Yeah, oh, you're absolutely. you're a fucking human being, and you can do what you like. The boys, we don't do that to our boys. You don't think? Sport I, on the sporting side of things, maybe. No, what I mean is we don't, we don't, we're not preparing our boys to be dads who will put their families first. Perhaps sometimes we maybe should be addressing that with our kids. I think that that may actually be a productive thing. Yeah, maybe. How was your parents were they married? They were married until my mum died ten years ago. Um, very happily married. Yeah. They're actually they were actually pretty good. Yeah, lots of fights and not lots of fights but you know lots of tension like well there has to be some character lots of character um they did their best like all parents do their best like their best wasn't always good enough and neither has mine been and neither will our children's be but um but you know i think that um i think that everyone's doing their best and what was your interaction then with your with your father sort of you know four to fourteen or that's yeah, pretty good. Era. Sport related, really. Okay, well, what sports were you doing? <laughs> uh, basketball, mostly at that age. Uh, my parents were heavily involved in sort of running basketball at that, that time, and so I was okay. just kind of at uh, Etsac. Yeah, at Etsac. Yeah, all right. So we were just sort of that was part of that was my life, and played lots of different sports. So what was the rep team then? That was the Lake the Lakers, Lakers. yeah, Lakers, yeah. And uh, you know, played right through the youth league and all that sort of stuff. But but um, my my interaction with dad has always been always been really great he's he's he is the person who puts everyone else first though. okay um include and he put mum first always and then when she died there was a moment where it was like oh well, now, like now what he'd lost his identity and I, I just don't want that i don't want that for anybody else you know he's found his life now which has been awesome to watch is he want to develop some hobbies Oh uh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, yes, he he's um he's super active. Like he's eighty, and I was saying to him the other day, like, what's gonna kill you? What's how are you gonna die? Because it's like, not gonna be boredom. Well, no, and <laughs> but you couldn't kill him with an axe. He's he, he swims like a kilometer every day. And oh like, really? Fuck. Okay, he's you know, properly like, active then. 
I said, like, and he go, I said to him, you know, how are you going to die? And he's like, well, hopefully I'm not soon. Like, what, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know, I haven't got any plans. I'm just, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, like he'd have to be hit by a bus. Cause and then look, even then. Even then, the bus might be injured. <laughs> but no, he's, uh, he's good and, um, he, you know, he's, he's done his best. How, did, how have you gone with the... Um with the the separation, how did that fuck with? Because you've obviously been trying to evolve yourself to feel more comfortable in your own skin. Yep. Did that just throw a massive fucking spanner in the works? Yep. Well, like for everyone, not just me. I'm not the. I'm not the only person who's been hurt by it. No, absolutely um, not. What what was the circumstance? Go into it as much as you want, or or not at yeah, all. But was I mean, it- the circumstances like like always? It's just I think relationships are hard human transactions are hard i think people um sometimes people want a fairy tale and want that to last forever and want people not to change i know i did and people change and i think you can either adapt and roll with that change or it can be fingernails on a blackboard to you and eventually you know you drift apart it's the great um it's the great regret of my life, honestly. And at this point, I mean, you know, ideally you'd like to still be married. Of course, you'd still like to have your kids in your life every day. Uh, I, I'd, I'd like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm, um, I'm, ha- I'm happy not to be married. And I kind of fi- famously tell people now I'm never having a relationship of any sort again for the rest a of my life. A romantic one. No. Yeah. Because I'm never... I just never want to put my neck on that block again. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. You know, and I don't really need it. I don't think I don't think humans need it. I don't think I don't think it's what we're designed for. Monogamy or relationships? Relationships. Right. That's an interesting one. Um We are we are social beings. You just mean I think we're herd I think we're herd animals. Mm -hmm. But I mean Statistically, empirically, there's there's a lot of data that says we're not very good at it. Oh, we're fucking rubbish at it. Yeah, and I think it's, I I think that the the last few hundred years, we've been enamoured by, the romanticism of it, the fairy tale nature of it, the romanticism of romance. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of feel like oh, this is so. Anyway, I kind of feel like unload. Um, <laughs> I kind of feel like for two people to have a relationship, one or both of them has to compromise themselves. They have to give more than the other person's giving. That that's just that's just the, the very nature of it. Somebody has to go, that really annoys me in you, I'm going to ignore it. Yeah, or force the other person to change, or whatever, and which requires the other person, the other person to change, right? So this, it's yeah. not—it's not an equitable. You're never going to have a relationship with somebody where you have met, exist, and leave evenly. You've had to compromise yourself, your values, your personality, your friendships, your family, whatever, along the way, or they've had to. And I just don't think it's fair, and I don't think it's necessary. Right. So, what would your ideally then? What what would your model be for um, the propagation or continuation of humankind? How would we do it? I think do you auction. 
I th- <laughs> no, I think the way that we've done it mm-hmm. is to have a short-term arrangement where you meet a mate. I, this, this even if you take the romanticism and everything else out of it, we're fucking giraffes or we're hippos or we're dogs and cats. Like yeah. they don't. Oh, come and spend the rest of your life standing next to me and a lot of birds my- do though. Birds. And I mean birds as in birds, not birds as in chicks. Birds are shit, though. Birds, birds, <laughs> birds bring nothing. I don't even get me started on birds. Birds. I've got no time for birds. Do we really need birds? Do I've, we? I've got no time. You name a bird. You name a bird that you'd want to have anywhere near you. Like chickens. Chickens. Anyway, um, <laughs> think about birds, right? Think about birds. Is they got this massive body. Yep. This tiny little weird fucking head and these tiny little legs that couldn't possibly hold them up. I don't... Anyway. Um, but then, just to say, take chickens, for example, then they've got wings that they can't fucking use oh, for anything. The thing, Give them arms. You talk about talk about nature's mistake, it's birds. <laughs> but they're like... That's where we came from. That that's that was when nature was just figuring her shit out. Yeah, right? well, we're, 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 yeah. <laughs> that says a lot if we're the evolution of that. Or, like, they're just, and people who like funny. people who have birds in a house and don't put it in a cage, or, or, or have, a, have a bird sitting on their body somewhere. <laughs> birds really, really irk you. I can't. I can't, man. <laughs> they just bring nothing to the table. I've got, I've got no time for them. I didn't have to say you were playing the victim. I just had to talk about birds. <laughs> that oh, was so triggering. Shit. So shit. <laughs> and like seagulls are the fucking worst. Like those poor animals, we've wrecked them. They can't even live without our food. They can't. They, oh, really? They can't. Well, I presume they. They just. They're <laughs> based, scavengers. When did you last see? When did you last see a bird, uh, a seagull, with some food in its mouth that it went fishing to get? <laughs> Never. Right. I can't. Think. They're just fucked animals. They're awful. Anyway, um, <laughs> what was I saying? I have no idea. That was hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um. You find a partner. Uh, yep. You find a. You oh, find yeah. a. So if you if you identify as a male human, you find someone who identifies as a female human. You impregnate that person. You have babies. You rear them, and then you to what age? To whatever. Just until they're off the tit, or like. Oh no! Like no. they can hang around, but we don't have to hang around with each other. Like they can. Okay. But yeah, so that's so that's so getting back to it. That's what I think the perfect arrangement is for humans going forward. I, I is to. I just think we need to go into that without the fucking princess bride bullshit Which, in, in our head. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's definitely enterprisey type stuff behind that whole thing, right? Yeah, of so course, you know. But we uh, you can't blame you just can't blame that industry for it. Like we no, we perpetuate not. that shit for sure. Um, and I think <laughs> you you you're like fuck the birds, but don't you dare have a go at the wedding industry, Josh. <laughs> Except the, except the people who have the bird, the doves in the box at the window. <laughs> out in the church. Look, I'm out! I'm out! It's not It's not just birds, actually. I've got to... Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not fond of cats. Oh, I hate cats. I fucking can't stand them. But, uh, yeah, just... It's just... I, like, I just... I've never had a good experience with a bird. <laughs> have you ever had a good experience with a bird? I, I can't say I've had like a fulfilling one with a bird, right? But that's because I've just expected them to be a bird and just basically sit there and do bird things. 
Do you not think there are some? I think your expectations. Birds. No, I do not. <laughs> you don't think that like king parrots or cockatoos or those black cockatoos? They're interesting. I like those. No, no, not a fan. Tell me, tell me, <laughs> large flightless birds are the fucking worst. <laughs> Ostrich. Like, an, an, have you seen an ostrich in real life? It is the weirdest <laughs> yeah, looking not thing. Long ago, up at Hunter Zoo. It's Australia's so weird, mate. But this is, uh, like... They are really fucking weird. You like, know, all the proportions are just fucked up. Well, people have good experience. You have a good experience with a dog. Or yes. some people have good experience with cats, I guess. Yeah. Or, you know, you can have, like, a good experience with an underwater animal. Like, <laughs> in, in the wild, you see, like, a big groper or something, or a big, like, hammerhead. You're like, wow, that's yeah. fucking... And then there's birds. <laughs> and you don't know, like, oh, God, I just can't wait to go to the beach. And I really, hope, I really hope there's going to be 17 <laughs> seagulls that just badge me. And then when I'm walking home, I really hope a magpie swoops down and pecks me in the head. Oh, magpies, yeah. What, so someone's died recently from being swooped by a magpie. No, that's not funny, by the no. way. <laughs> but it, it kind of is because it's such a, an isolated... It sucks that they died. That's the funniest that's thing about now that. That's a story. The funniest thing about that. <laughs> How did your dad die? Was <laughs> magpies. Well, the, it, it wasn't the, I mean, the, it was the magpies fault, but it wasn't from a magpie injury. He like fell off the bike and smashed his head. Oh, did he? Or something. Oh, yeah. Okay. But then- I was the, thinking he just had a magpie. Like, no, 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 no. It was okay. just the magpie didn't even touch him. Oh, he okay. just couldn't ride a bike with no. a magpie sweeping him. Typical clipbait title. Yes. But then I saw the, the discussion on Facebook, why- why I'm looking at that is beyond me. Well, you saw Magpie in the title and you're like, I need to let these people maybe, know how maybe. I feel about birds. But there was, there was people literally calling for the execution of the Magpie. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, that, that's our culture. I mean, I'm, happy, culture. I'm happy, happy for the execution of all Magpies, <laughs> but to single one out who's been involved in a homicide indirectly. I think, I think it's more manslaughter. <laughs> Bird slaughter. bird slaughter. I'd like a bit of bird You'd like slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have bird slaughter without laughter. I don't mind eating them. What's your favourite to eat? Chicken? Yeah, probably. Only because it's prolific. I quite like duck. duck. Mm. Oh, high five. High five for duck. I like duck uh, Vietnamese rolls. Yes. Barbecue duck. Mm. Yes. Um, duck pancake with plum sauce. Mm. I can't think of another bird I like, actually. Hmm. I don't like the little spatchcocky little no. tiny little friends don't let friends eat spatchcock <laughs> classic chopper <laughs> read <laughs> I um I, what's another bird that you'd eat then uh well we grew up pheasant quail did you did you grow up, grow up in, in Italian Victorian England <laughs> in, a, in an Italian household so that uh that was that we grew up uh we had a, ate a lot of rabbit yeah, rabbit was something we ate. But now to buy a rabbit, because I asked the other day. <laughs> to, you mean one to eat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. $35. You can buy a live one for less than that. Yeah, but you, it's got all the bones ripped out of it and stuff. So oh, okay, right. It just kind of comes like a sock, like a wet sock. <laughs> like a, a rabbit fleshlight. Your first visit, so Nick, Nick Bowditch traveled. Fuck, I keep getting something in my eye. Um, you said that you, the, the, the blurb that I read was 18 months, zero to a million. And no traditional marketing channels, no. just social media only. Yeah. So we, um, and in fact, when I started that business and I was growing it on Facebook, was in a time when fa- there was no ads on Facebook. Facebook, yeah, Facebook was. In fact, not there was around. no. Well, it was well, not, not in the advertising yeah. side of things, and, yeah. and there was no news feed on Facebook. 
at the time. So right. it was literally just peer-to-peer sort of stuff. Um, and it was hard. And, and uh, Why did you see that as a viable marketing opportunity? Though? It was free. That's a good one. And yeah. I had no money. Okay. So once, once, once I st- worked that out, and then I worked out video. And uh, the combination of YouTube and, and Facebook and just took off. So to speak. And yeah. Travel company. Yeah. And we were um, we were able to be profitable slowly, but then sort of ramped up exponentially. Um, yeah. I had a few businesses after that, mostly failures. Um, Learning experiences. Yes. Yeah. Growth opportunities. <laughs> Growth opportunities. Yeah. And... Um, and then I went back. So then, I, yeah, I worked for myself for a long for a long period there, like starting and failing and starting and failing and starting. Right? Had a couple of wins, and then um, went back into the corporate world to work at um, Facebook. What do you think? Um, what do you, What do you think then, based on social media and 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 the people that you're dealing with, talking to in 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 your business? Are you seeing social media? has an impact on people regarding the way that they're feeling about themselves or yep yeah i think it's the highlight reel is the problem is that um and i think it's the problem not just online but offline that that very few people you meet and see and interact with very few people you are um seeing their authentic self you're just seeing yeah, you the just, highlight package. Yeah, it's the it's the high it's their highlight reel which you're judging against your shitstorm that you're in every day. It's hard. It's um, if you're already got a bit of a lack of self love, to then have that reinforced by somebody else is damning. Yeah, I know, and it sucks though because it's not out of malice either, right? No, no, that's, I don't think that's, so. That's that's where this because you can't point a finger at somebody and say. You know, somebody's just uploaded a photo of them with their kids up at Surface Paradise having a family holiday. And we're sitting here freshly, you know, having our kids taken away from us. And you're like, I feel like shit because I've seen that. It's not her fault or that person's fault that's up there in Surface Paradise taking a photo of her kids. Well, here's, here's a big concept that I talk about a lot. Don't give away all your secrets. It's not a secret. <laughs> okay. But I, but I don't think... Anybody can make you feel anything. No, I agree with you. Yeah. And so if you feel something about yourself when you see somebody else's Instagram, that's not their fault. No, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. That's it's speaking directly to my point is right. that you're saying you're having your you're experience with clients and whatnot and, and people in general. They're feeling like shit because they're seeing other people's highlight reel and they're feeling like shit about themselves. And you're like, yeah, I know, but it, like... You can't say, yeah, but just fucking grow up. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. what do you do? And you can't go, well, you're not going to fucking te- text all your friends and say, please stop posting happy photos. But here's the other thing, right, about social media generally, is why why has that person posted that photo? What's the what's the, <clears throat> what's the value of their what's life? What's the motivation? What's their life value that has been enhanced? And I do it, right? Is I put a photo of me and my kids on something. Mm-hmm. Why do I do that? What validation am I seeking? Is it is it saying I'm I want you to see that I am a father, I want you to see that I'm a good father. I want you to see that I like these jeans. I want you to see that I think I look all right in this selfie. Like whatever it is, there's there's if you really think about it, there's there's never a time you post anything to social media where there's not some intrinsic benefit. 
you're hoping for. The Some sort of validation that you're seeking Never. from somebody. That's how vacuous it can be. Mm. I suppose, and you're just chasing the likes all the time. It becomes an addictive thing. Because it it is a dopamine release when you get that like. And then you go, like, yeah, I, I, know, I know people who are stoked, stoked if they get like 50 likes on something. And then I know other people who, if they got 50 likes, they'd be like... Distraught. Yeah. Devastated. What, what did I do wrong? And and the amount of people who... We used to have, we used to have data on this. When we, when we first... we When Facebook first bought Instagram and I was part of the bubble then, yeah. um, we used to have data on how many times people would post a photo, it would get 10 likes and that photo would be removed. <laughs> right. Or so, a thousand like, likes and it would be removed. Whatever the number it's, was. It's not good enough. They're like, oh, no, it hasn't... And... and the reality is from a marketing point of view, like if you are going down that path, there is an expiry time to, you know, if it hasn't gotten X amount of likes within three or four hours, you can forecast that it's probably not going to yeah, perform. The virality because, lasts yeah. only a certain amount of time. So, but this isn't for marketing purposes. This no, is this like is just people. Somebody's selfie. Yeah. That's, that's shit. That's gnarly. Isn't but it? also the fact that <laughs> somebody was um, dark enough to... Pull those metrics Mate, we, together. We came, we came all sorts of, we came all sorts of data, and then, and then uh, reflect that data back on on uh, like um, demographics. So this is what nineteen year old females who live in this whatever this is what they do, and, wow. you know, like in, and it That's gives really you a really stuff, good. Actually. You'd love that from a DevOps point of view. It's yeah. like really really good data, and at what you know. At what time of the day does that happen? And then what else is happening at that time of the day? Yeah. This data doesn't lie, man. Like it's, it's, it's not even storytelling. It's fact telling. Yeah. It, and I see some of the stuff, like I was working with um, some of the data scientist guys over at, uh, in the Woolworths loyalty program many moons ago. And they arguably are probably, you know, as, apart from Qantas, um, probably Australia's best in their active, proactive marketing and the way that they're able to customize specials for people. It's fucking crazy the amount of work that they've done. They're absolutely kicking goals. I mean, at the end of it, they're just making us buy more widgets sure. that we probably don't need anyway, but they're, they're doing a good job. The <clears throat> When you look at that data and you'd look at a spread on something but then you'd pass it across three or four data analysts and they would, somebody would go, ah, yeah, and then look at it this way and then change what they're grouping on and then align that with the time of day and then, and then all of a sudden they just go, aha, and like this is the answer. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy shit. I mean, th- those guys are getting paid so much fucking money yeah. these days. I remember the, the, uh, when, when I started to build out the small business marketing team for Facebook in Australia and New Zealand, they were like, well, you're gonna have to start getting a team because it was just me. I was the team for a long time. Right. Now and 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 I had to work out who the who the hires were. And, and he was like, I suppose you want data. Yeah, I suppose you want salespeople and you want this. I'm like, no, I need a fucking data analyst. Yeah. That's what I need. I need somebody who just does SQL queries all day for me. Then then it will work out. Yep. Like what a else? Tableau expert. And yeah. That's about all you need. Yeah. Just yeah. show me the dashboard, man. <laughs> show me the dashboard, <laughs> and I'll tell you what's wrong. You know, and because it was always about. What small change can you make that will ripple into something massive? Because, you know, when I started there, I had 85,000 
account. 85,000 customers. Wow. Okay, yeah. You know. You're not going to call them up, are you? Uh, it's very hard to <laughs> have a personal touch with these people. But, you know, you could... That's uh, a real defeatist attitude. <laughs> not with that attitude, you know. It was so funny because when, when I started there, I, I, um, I worked out <laughs> completely unsupervised, which is why I shouldn't work unsupervised, um, how to generate free ads vouchers $50 worth of free advertising on Facebook yep okay those vouchers this is why you're working there yeah okay and you've hacked your own system their system well there was a tool for this I just I don't think that I was supposed to have it (laughs) and so I'm just voucher after voucher after voucher like giving all this advertising away because I'm like it's free money man like uh, we're selling fresh air here like in my (laughs) mind right? right yeah and anyway, it's fifty dollars. Fifty dollars. Like, there was thousands of them. <laughs> and then eventually, my boss rang me, uh, like distraught. <laughs> Dude, what the fuck is going on with the badges? Where are they all coming from? I'm like, I'm giving them away, <laughs> like to whoever wants them. And he's like, Dude, like, and I'm like, but it's okay. It's it's free. And he's like, it's not free. And he had to explain to me that for every dollar we gave away in our own advertising, that cost us 60 cents. I was like, what? That can't... How does that work? That can't be right. He's like, well... And he explained, you know, it was right. And he explained it all. You know, for every person who's using a free voucher, they go ahead in the queue on a on an out of entry than somebody who wants to pay. So that's that's initial cost. Then there's like processing costs and there's like data costs. Anyway, 60 cents in the dollar. Oops. <laughs> that I had given away thousands of these vouchers. Like, literally, whoever wanted one. I wasn't even running any data query on whether you would use it well. But they're just, they're $30 if you look at it that way. So, it's not so bad. Not $50 this was This was the angle I took, but it's, <laughs> it didn't really, didn't really agree. How unappreciative of But, uh, yeah, that was probably the only massive fuck up I had the whole time I was there. So It's not bad. What uh, what's coming up for you? What are you? What's your next sort of twelve months looking like? Well, in a week I could be retired from boxing. Yes, we we wish you well on getting the gold uh, medal. Retired with a gold medal around my neck. Um, Look, you have to have. If you are retired, you will have a gold medal around your neck. Well, that's the only yeah. Th- or else you won't be retired. It's like if this, then that, mate. Yes. If, if, if this, I have then the gold medal, then yes, then I will have retired. If I do not have a gold medal around my neck. I don't know what the SQL query turns out to be. Null. Equals null. But um, no, so I don't know, mate. I'm, I'm just trying to keep being a good dad as much as I can, keep being a good version of myself as much as I can, um, stay clean and sober until 6 a.m. in the morning. And um, do, you, uh, do you have an office somewhere? I work at home. Just from... And you're out on, uh, out on site with clients for... Most of this, uh, the therapy we, I do is on Skype. Oh really? Uh, it's all encrypted yeah. on Skype now, all communication, so it's yeah. it's quite good that way. Um, I do a bit of in person, but if we do it in person, I tend to do it at the beach or at a you know cafe hotel or, or cafe or something yeah. like. That. Okay. Um, just works well that way for me. Speaking engagements and stuff coming up. Yeah, I got one uh, Wednesday. Um, but yeah, hopefully, my plan is to kind of do one of those a week. It's kind of a nice little cadence for me. A lot of a lot of them. Um, I can just repurpose stuff that you've got. Yeah. Um, but some people want 
truly bespoke stuff. So that so these predominantly like corporate gigs that you're yeah. going along to. Yeah. Okay. Um, the one this week is at uh, the University of New South Wales with their startup accelerator program. Awesome. Um, but talking about entrepreneurial mental health. Yeah. So it's pretty great that that kind of program is interested in soft, the softer um, sciences like that. Because, um, you know, these people are coming through this thing, they've got this product and they want to learn how to whatever. And so the uni's saying, yeah, we can do all that, but you need to also hear this guy because awesome. if you are entrepreneurial, you are seven times more likely to... Um, have a mental health challenge, not just a mental health issue, but for it to be challenging. Um, it's and it's not if this and that. It's not if you run a startup, you'll be mad. It's if you are mad, you're more likely to want to, to have a startup. Start a startup. Yeah. So yeah, but um, but that's it really. Um, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about another book, but just thinking. Have you got a title for it yet? So we've got Reboot Your Thinking. Actually, it is all about me. Yeah. No, I was writing one that for a little while called Steel Snowflakes. I have written it. It just haven't, it hasn't been finished. And that was a, that's about our children and how, you know, the world, some of the world, slags them off as being snowflakes without, you know, who don't know how hard it is, really. And my interpretation of that is, yes, they they might be, but that's their actual strength. That's their strength is because they feel these things, not yeah. And they're that would be great despite it. it. Yeah, yeah. Because they say I love you, and they hear I love you, and they say oh, they're sorry. Did your dad say I love you? No, nah. no. Neither did mine, or does mine? Actually, yours is still alive. Yeah. Did did they though? Retrospectively, yeah. I'll, I'll probably and get my, I'll get my dad on on here, and then just force him to say I love you on. Well, it's so funny because I say it to my kids so many times that they say, oh, yeah, shut Dad, up, Dad. yeah, Dad, we know. Oh, okay, right. And I'm like, yeah, you do fucking know. <laughs> like, you do know. Yeah. So, good for you. Yes, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I, I didn't know. Yeah. Do you kiss your kids? All the time. Lips or cheek? Various. Don't know. Don't know. Forehead. Nose. Just wherever I can cheaply Shoulder. get one, really, yeah. <laughs> Where they're going, ah, coffee! Yeah. Um, I kiss them on the lips, I think. Yeah. They kiss me on the lips. God bless them. I, um, they love cuddles, my kids, all yeah. of them. They love skin to skin. They love the protection feeling of that. Yeah, well, it's actually odd, considering my son Adrian with the, the autism. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Supposed to be, you know, sort of more withdrawn and whatever, but he's he's a very, you know, touchy-feely oh, kid. Lots of eye contact. Um, lots of yeah, lots of hugs and isn't that true of ASD that it's not? You can't look it up and go, oh, that every single child is going to be like that. It is a really well. See, this is the thing with his with his brain condition. ASD was going to be they're like this often right, is right, what right. you're going to be diagnosed with. Yep. So, in terms of behaviour, and we had we've had a whole bunch of assessments and whatever, and there's all this complexity around the NDIS funding, and they're like, oh well, no, sorry, he's not disabled enough. Oh, okay, cool. Like he's born missing part of his brain, but you know you can't tick your box. Whereas I've seen lots of other people who are fucking fleecing the NDIS system. But um, eh, whatever, you know, he's ours. We deal with him. Um, yeah. So uh, the other thing with the ACC or Genesis of the Corpus Callosum 
is that it, it often comes with along with other things like Down syndrome and um, cerebral palsy and all these other kinds of things. But right. he's pretty rare in the fact that he only has that. That just, oh, okay. Just I that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So normally, if you're missing your corpus callosum, you will often also have Down syndrome or Got cerebral yeah. palsy. How old is he? Seven, just turned seven. So, does he have milestones that are appropriate for him that that you're trying to get him to, or you don't really care about that? It's more about keeping him to be a happy, adjusted kid. Okay. Because socially, I can see where he's starting to sort of fall out a little bit. Is he mainstream school? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, we... uh, With support or... Yeah, so uh, OT was going to school, I think, every second week, but I haven't... I haven't really seen them a hell of a lot this year, so I'm not 100% sure, sure what's going on with it. But that was more or less it. And then there was also a, an extra um, teacher that was put on to, to classes for him and stuff like yeah. that. So interesting, eh? Because when I was a kid, there was no support unit like there is no. with my kids' you know, school where the kids are integrated seamlessly. There's, there's children who have all sorts of stuff. And I didn't. we didn't have that. I didn't. See, I didn't also didn't have any kids who weren't white and middle class, <laughs> That's true. Um, really. But you know, there was there was a few. But you know, my kids have have kids in their class who have you know same sex parents. My kids have refugees in their class. Like all of that stuff is, yeah. You talk about the steel snowflakes, I guess. That's yeah. My little rant. You talk about you know how the world's different. Yeah, the world is fucking different. Yeah. And and hooray. What what is odd though on the schooling thing with Adrian is. Um, we, I had originally said, oh, we're going to send the kids to, to private school. And a particular school here on the coast, I won't name and shame them. Shame them. But uh, we said, look, you know, our son Adrian is going to be starting here next year. Our daughter Addison was already there. This is the situation with Adrian. We're not sure what it's going to look like because he was still pre-kindy at that stage. And based on the literature, we know fuck all. Um, so our best guess is he's probably going to be a little bit delayed with the learning, but we don't know. Like he's doing all the normal things like eating, shitting, you know, that normal kids do at yep. that age, but the gap starts to widen, right? As, okay. as you start to do left, right thinking, yep. he doesn't have that super highway in the yep. middle. So we said, this is, this is what our situation is. If we need to pay extra to get an extra care or whatever. And the school just basically went, we're not interested in having him here. And, uh, wow. And I was like, um, that, you know, that was the abridged version, but they were like, oh, you know, the facilities that we've got here are maybe not suitable for this situation. We don't have any funding from the government for this. And so I was like, well, we had that, had that meeting on the Friday, come uh, on the Thursday, come the Friday, we pulled Addison out of the school and she started um, at the public school just up the road. Yeah. My kids are at the public school. I can't, I went to private school. Yeah, I would never send my children private school. Where'd you go, Eddie's? Yeah. If you're doing basketball, would have been Eddie's. Yeah, and uh, I laid the rosary as a youngin. Yeah. Um, I just, I am constantly impressed by how great the public school that they are in is about everything. Yeah, you know, they like are. they've just been they've been really sensitive about our separation. They've been just so good like one of you know when the kids have had stuff happening and whatever they've just been awesome i just and i never would have sent my kids there and yeah i'm i feel so sorry for our teachers also that are like they're not paid particularly well no and it's a fucking miserable existence for the most part and you like 
sometimes you don't want to look after your kids and they have to look after everybody else's kids. 30 of them. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's, it's crazy. And, and where my kids are, there's like when they've come through kindergarten, there's been six kindergarten classes. Fuck. So that's 180 kids. <laughs> oh, they come down a little bit, but it's not much. It's no. 160. So like, and then that continues through the whole school. Like, yeah. and, 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 you know, the, the principal knows them all by name and knows us. By name, like Scary shit. what? How do you do that, mate? Yeah. You That's know, freaky. and it, yeah, I, 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 I remember when we, when we, when our eldest started, I was like, I'm going to everything. I want those teachers to know who I am. Yeah, and and my wife was the same, and and we did. We, you know, every time they're hello, go and shake the hand of the principal. Remember me. Yep. I don't want to be. I don't want. I don't want to fall through the cracks. I don't want any of the kids to either. If if something's happening to my child, I want somebody to know that that's my child. Yes. Um, and yeah, it's been a it's been a good it's thing. Worked well. Yeah, very well. All right. Well, I've taken up enough of your time. Thanks very much for coming to the shed. Um, no worries. It's a very impressive setup, listeners. The uh, yeah. Well, I'm just waiting on um, the financial. Uh, arrangement to sort itself out and I'll get a uh, decent sort of soundproof studio set up back there but um, until then where can people find you on the Instagrams so across all socials I'm at Nick Bowditch N-I-C-K-B-O-W-D-I-T-C-H or nickbowditch.com.au and you've got the two books out there they can be found on all over the place Amazon as well as uh, bookstores but if you go to Amazon and you um, just search my name you'll see both of them come up Wonderful. Um, thanks very much, guys. Yeah, just remember you're not alone out there. You can call into the podcast hotline on zero two nine five four one eight four five zero, and don't forget that uh, you can reach out to lifeline.org.au on thirteen eleven fourteen. Thanks very much again, Nick, for coming in. Appreciate it, and we'll catch you guys later. Sweet man, thank you. <laughs>